Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Okay. You've heard me mention a number of times that, you know, this is one of those shows where I try to keep it somewhat tight on time because I know everybody's busy and they have lots of things to do. Uh, You know, this is one of those episodes where I've got so much content that if I don't try to condense it as best as I can, then it's going to be well over two plus hours. And I know that that's exhausting for countless people, and most people don't want to hear my voice for two hours a day. Um, th- you know, this is just one of those one of those episodes. So if this gets a little long, my apologies. It's not going to be two hours, I don't think, but who knows? I don't really have a a predetermined time as to when these are going to end when I start them, but I have a great large list here of of show notes and things that I want to get to and audios I want to play and stories that I want to tell along with, again, updated education things and medical news and all of it. Uh, You know, the information here is just coming out so quickly and it's going to continue to come out so quickly that I I, I might as well start with this overarching point, which I think is important. And, And it's a cultural point too. And this is something that is constantly being argued about among particular companies and particular people and this, that, and the other. And some people may know exactly what I'm referencing, but this is, uh, you know, this is an issue. If you think about all of the information that, that exists out there, I mean, it's, it's endless amounts of information, copious amounts of, of days worth, weeks worth, months worth of information, really just within a few, a few days. And it's all important. I mean, most of it is important. But when you think of some of these outlets and some of these larger outlets that are paying one another or themselves copious amounts of money to provide content, and I, I don't even like the word content, uh, they're, they're, doing, they're doing whatever they're doing. They're playing games, having skits while also covering the news and, and whatever else. You think of all of the things that they could be talking about. Again, these are smaller alternative outlets, even those that are on the so-called conservative right. And then you have, of course, the major corporations. I'm separating myself from, of course, all of them because I'm none of those things. I'm just a guy. I'm just a former school teacher, former adjunct professor, you know, book author, whatever. Uh, but, but I'm an American first and foremost. And I care about what's going on. And I think about the amount of time and the amount of money that they spend on their content and how they never cover the seriousness of what's actually happening. You know, they'll talk about, uh, you know, they'll interview some actor or actress. And then in the very next segment, they have a bake off between a couple of well known people as if that's important. That soaks up at least an hour's worth of time on any news channel or any TV channel. But the amount of information I like to think that I provide here is is relatively organized. At least I try to make it as organized as I can. Uh, It covers a variety of different avenues, but it's all on the same highway. Because I understand that there are multiple highways that, again, people are, metaphorically speaking, that people are covering information on. I just know that the audience here 
understands what I'm doing. And I just wanted to say thank you for understanding what I'm doing here. I'm trying to find the highway. And I think I've found it. And I think I've been on it here for quite some time, and I'm going to continue to stay on it. Overall, we're talking about the collapse of endless avenues that we have grown up with and known for, for generations. Education, medicine, companies, identity, what, you know, whatever it is. There are just endless avenues that, that are occurring right now, and I'm still not hearing it on endless channels that would consider themselves to be alternative because there's only so far they can go with particular subjects because they're worried about money. They care about money and receiving money and earning a certain amount of money and then not wanting to step on anybody's toes or cross particular lines or know when to hold their tongue, okay? Those last three sayings are why we are in the position we are in as people on earth is because we have too many people holding their tongues, too many people pumping the brakes, we have too many people towing the line, we have too many people doing all of that because they're afraid that they're going to lose money. Because if they say so much, then the money disappears. Money is the root of all evil. And if we are finding ourselves in a position in society where all we care about is money, we are missing the point of being alive. So you've heard me say, I don't make money on this show. I make nothing on this show. I'm not asking for money. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I think it's remarkably important that we just tell the truth. That's all. That's all, I, that's all I give a damn about, is just telling the truth and getting down to brass tacks. There are endless, again, endless shows that exist where people don't even take into consideration what other people are dealing with. Regardless of their location, all over our, our state, country, the world. That has to happen. We have to take all of that in, in, into consideration. So I don't consider myself insulated in that I'm only you know, communicating with just a set amount of people and, and that becomes our reality, like an echo chamber. That's not it. Um, I, I'm, just, I, I'm always trying to take in countless avenues of thought and countless, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm rambling now, but I, I hope you understand the point of the show and I hope that you can see the objectivity of the show and how it is very poignant, I think. I'm not tooting my own horn, I'm just saying that I think that it's, it has a very purposeful direction. It's not haphazard. Because it can't be, because it's war. And if a person is just shooting willy-nilly into the air, you might hit something occasionally, but you're not really focusing in on, on the actual avenue. So, you know, you're never going to see skits on this show. <laughs> it's a podcast. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to do that kind of thing. We, we, are, we are witnessing the collapse of like I said earlier, all of the all of the things that we have known for quite some time, that's not a bad thing. 
it's very difficult for people to wrap their minds around that because they don't want to think beyond their own palm in front of their face. But we have to. We have to see through our fingers. We have to be able to see past and further down the line as to what is likely to happen. I mean, that's what, you know, that's what a puzzle is. When you put puzzles together, a jigsaw puzzle, you, can, you, you know what the larger picture is already because it's on the front of the box. But when you flip the box open and you throw out all the pieces on a table, you, you have to get to work. And you have to start putting the pieces together. You have a pretty good idea as to what the, what the end product is going to be. But as we all know, the end product is usually bigger than the box itself. And it looks a little bit different in the end. And it's not always easy getting to the logical conclusion, but we have to do whatever we can to get there. And that's all I'm trying to do with this show. And I'm also mentioning that because I received a, a, a number of very nice emails from listeners over the last couple of days. And I wanted to say thank you to those people. They know who they are. I emailed them back because I email back everybody who emails me. And thank you. Uh, they are very kind, very kind words, and I, and I greatly appreciate it. So I've talked too long already on the intro on this. Again, a lot of people talking about on the internet millions of dollars, and I'm talking specifically now about you know people like the Daily Wire and Stephen Crowder and The Blaze and you know this, that, and the other. All these avenues that claim to be conservative, but they're not talking quickly, they're not talking directly, and they're not talking about the things that we're talking about. They're too busy doing skits. They're too busy uh, tooting their own horns. Uh, you know, covering for things that they haven't covered in the past, a number of things. I don't trust these outlets. I don't trust these people. I don't like them. They're conservative ink. They are gatekeepers. There's only a certain amount of information that they discuss. They play the YouTube game, which I don't like because that's, again, a corporate game. I'm not playing any of those games. I'm never going to play those games. That's not what I do here. I'm trying to get down to brass tacks as quickly as humanly possible in a short amount of time and throw copious amounts of information your way so that you understand that there's lots to think about here and a number of different avenues of thought. And, uh, you know, I'll give you one more example of, of, again, sort of the sad state of affairs when it comes to the lack of dimensional thinking among people. You've heard me mention again Operation Warp Speed and Donald Trump and the vaccine and the connections between those things and how people misinterpret all of that with regularity. That happens constantly. And all you really have to do is get on Disclose TV, for example, on their Telegram page, and they're the largest Telegram page that exists, but you get into their comments section and it's just one-dimensional thinking. It's not everyone, but it is the vast majority of the voice within the comments are just one-dimensional thinking. You know, Donald Trump's in on it. He wants us dead. We can't trust him. We can't vote for him ever again. People are incapable of taking in the full picture of what the enemy wanted to do to us. The enemy wanted all of us dead, all of us, 100%. And then they would keep just enough people alive, including themselves, so that they could survive on earth by themselves. That's, that's what they wanted. That's how crazy these people are. So 
you've heard me say again, I've gone through this at length on past episodes countless times. Operation Warp Speed had nothing to do with speeding up vaccines to get them in human arms as fast as humanly possible, regardless of the outcome. That wasn't it. It was to speed up the process of the enemy's plans to hurt us so that we could see it, so that we would make sure that we never do it again in the future, in particular in future generations. Because right now, as far as I'm concerned, outside of this listening audience and, of course, many other audiences, the parents who listen, who who understand that, the parents who understand that of young children, their children are going to grow up and know the truth about what is going on now. There are many asleep parents who have children who do not know what is going on. The parents don't know. The children don't know which means what's likely to happen to those children in the future. Are they going to figure it out on their own? They might. It'd be a whole lot easier if they had knowledgeable, awake parents to tell them what's happening right now and what's going on and why it's going on for the, for the preservation of humanity in the future. But with all of that said, it's beyond obvious that the population is declining. The statistics say so. The, I'm not going to use the word anecdote, you know what I mean. The firsthand accounts of the people that are experiencing things like this within their own families, it's evident to them too. The, the, the now hiring signs that exist everywhere. Again, Mike Rowe of Dirty Jobs would trick people into believing that it's because we are fat, dumb, and lazy, and we don't want to work. Mike Rowe is a shill. Mike Rowe is paid by capitalists to say that same line. I even put a post on Gab about that, uh, I want to say earlier this week, if not last week. But it, 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 it was a, and it, somebody put it together, it wasn't me, but it was very well done. It was a breakdown of all the years throughout history, and it goes back at least like, oh God, uh, I want to say not quite a hundred years, but close, of, of news headlines that are saying Americans just don't want to work. Now hiring everywhere, Americans just don't seem to want to work. It's a fake capitalistic line that gets tossed out there in an effort to shame people into working to help boost economic numbers and and jobless numbers, not taking into account endless variables that are the real reason as to why there uh, there are now hiring signs everywhere. First of all, people aren't making any money doing what they're doing. 99 plus percent of individuals in America make less than $65,000. It's becoming harder and harder for people to live on that kind of money. Entry-level teachers don't make that much money. Most teachers go their entire 30-year career without even coming close to that amount of money. They make half of that, if, if that. So my, my point is, is that there are multiple var- variables in the scenario here. The jabs, of course, are a major one, 
a major one. Illness, again, in these jobs, if you're, if you're out sick for two days in a row, they fire you, which is requiring these individuals who run these establishments and run these major companies to understand why people are out sick. It's not COVID. That doesn't exist. It's permanently damaged DNA as a result of vaccinating themselves with the biological weapon. Which again, if you if you have never read Karen Kingston or seen Karen Kingston, I recommend her Substack. It's clearly defined as a biological weapon in the vaccine paperwork. So that's why I don't like the word vaccine, and I never have because it's it's not one. It's always been a biological weapon. That's why you hear me say the word jabs all the time, um, because they're being jabbed with a biological weapon. I mean, that's it. So, yeah, I, 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 you know, I don't know. I, I'm rambling again, but, but you get what I'm saying, I think. There's, there's, there are so many ill-informed people that have a massive microphone and a huge soapbox and a, and a, and a giant audience, and they're, they're still and always missing the point. And if you've ever wondered why, it's because if they really started telling the truth, it would be exit stage left, and they would get the hook right off the stage. They wouldn't be allowed to be on those platforms. If the Daily Wire really covered depopulation, they wouldn't exist. If Steven Crowder really covered depopulation, and this being the largest genocide that's ever occurred, and you would definitely never hear the Daily Wire bring that up for rather obvious reasons, but you get what I'm saying. They, they would just cease to exist. Fox News can't do it because, as you heard me say in the last show, they've put all their eggs in that basket. They put all their eggs in the we're going to save humanity coronavirus basket. Well, now all those eggs are broken. And now they have people on their shows telling them, the actual hosts who were pushing this stuff in the first place, it's a biological weapon. People are dying. And, they, and the shots don't work. The chickens are coming home to roost on this entire thing. And if no one's bringing that up, regardless of the avenue of employment or the line of work, whether it be education, medical, retail, you name it, pick, pick a line of work. If they're not saying those words, bioweapon, depopulation, ge ma uh, largest genocide in the history of man, they aren't there yet. And they may think that occasionally, you know, when they're by themselves. They may even say it when they're not on air, but they're still not saying it when it needs to be said. Which leads me to this. My school board video from August of 2021 continues to make the rounds. And I'm only bringing this up because, again, it's one of those, it's one of those waves, I would say that continues to land and crash right into the shore and wake up more people. But at the same time as it does that, you can read comments of individuals regarding that, that clip. Again, whatever it was, approximately four minutes. That particular clip, and then you can, you can still see and hear and read how asleep they still are. Let me give you one quick example. Uh, just within the last week, 
Jesse James and Sandy and I were communicating back and forth and even outcast on again from the Dangerous Info podcast with Jesse James. They they found some documentary that that was on Rumble, I guess, and used my you know, it was a mashup clip that someone had created that was like twenty seven minutes long. But they used that school board clip in the entire you know, within their video is my point. Uh, you know, I, I thought that was great. Again, that that wasn't my thinking when I did it. I wasn't I wasn't thinking that broadly about it. I just wanted people to hear it, and then adhere to it, and understand that I'm not doing this to to scare people. I'm doing it to wake people up, and save a life, maybe. And I know I've done that, which is great. Someone stopped taking the shots or didn't take them based on what I said. That's perfect. Now think of the impact everybody could have had if they'd have just told the truth out of the gate about what's going on. If they, if they of course, knew about it. I'm not saying everybody knows everything. Clearly they don't. But on top of that, Sandy then sent me a, a clip from Twitter where just the other day, again, the video was being shared again on Twitter, over a quarter million views, lots of comments. And one of the comments was funny because it said, uh, it, it said, this doctor, again, I'm not a medical doctor, but anyway, they, they said, this doctor said that, uh, you know, you snapped your RNA in half, you're no longer human, you're something else now. That was something of what I said, I guess. That's true, believe it or not. And this person said, well, they lost me when they said that. Then they sound like a crackpot or whatever. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a medical fact. It was a medical fact back then. It's still a medical fact. It's in endless peer-reviewed journals. Not that peer-reviewed means anything, but it's in those journals. It is medical fact. When you poison the human body, you permanently damage your DNA and your RNA, the building blocks of your DNA. You alter it. And then the body starts to do things to itself that it wouldn't have normally done had you not snapped your innate human self in half. And again, that's what we're watching now. We're, we're watching people do this with regularity, get sick, and not know why. You heard me say this in the last episode that my aunt worked in a church as, as their choir director, never wore a mask, not jabbed. Almost everybody in the church when she was there was wearing a mask and jabbed. Even the people running the joint, the pastors, whatever, they were pushing the jabs and pushing the masks. The guy who was there at the time, I said, took at least three or four shots. His wife and he have taken five shots. Five. I got that number corrected the other day. Five shots. They, they're five deep and they're still alive. I don't know how. I don't know how they're still alive. I don't know why. But apparently they openly admitted that they're sick a lot and they can't figure it out. That's what snapping your RNA and DNA in half looks like. That means you are no longer the thing that you once were. So, yes, it, it, it is a big deal. It is happening. And again, to criticize the endless outlets that have taught us copious amounts of things, including the Q drops. I love it how people get so upset about the Q drops because they themselves want to think 
that they have all the information for their audience and that uh and and that they don't want their audience to learn for themselves they just want their audience to listen to them you've heard me criticize Stu Peters on this show i'm going to keep doing that as long as he keeps criticizing those q drops it clearly says in those q drops one in particular which i put on gab it said you need to get active you need to get motivated, you need to get up, you need to get out, and you need to start doing things. In no Q-drop did it ever say, sit on your hands and, and, and wait for us. It never said that. It never said that. It was an inevitability in the innate human response to learn, to unlearn, learn again, Get angry at being lied to and manipulated, and then get active and get moving. Now, I don't like the term activist or activism because that's predominantly a leftist term that they've hijacked. It's just about saving our lives, saving one another, and saving our country. That's what it's about. Information acquisition, thinking as often as we possibly can taking in multiple dimensions as often as we possibly can, and then arriving at sound conclusions and always applying the scientific method as frequently as possible. Stu Peters doesn't do that. He doesn't do it. Again, he has good content. You know, he, has, he, he, covers, he covers great subjects, heartbreaking interviews, and, uh, and he's right when he consistently uses the phrase bioweapon. The issue is, is you can't criticize the largest deep programming program in the history of the world. The people of the 20th century were brainwashed, myself included. We all were born into this. And many of us, of course, are awake now. And as you've heard me say, you wake up, you don't go back to sleep. There's no going back to sleep after this now. But to criticize, a life-saving movement like this, movement like that. The Q thing is still going on. I mean, those information drops are still occurring. People are still paying attention to it and paying attention to particular deltas and what does this mean and thinking about it multidimensionally. That's a good thing. It means you're thinking. But if people get over-emotional and start screaming and yelling about, you know, we need to sit on our hands and just trust the plan because that's not going to solve anything. And nowhere, nowhere did it say that in any of those Q posts. So the, the likes of, of Stu Peters who even mention it are criticizing it for all the wrong reasons. And, and, and he's exposing himself as somebody who hasn't read any of them. And that's, again, problematic. But. We're living through an interesting time. It is the time to be alive. The time to be alive here. And, uh, and we're witnessing the collapse of, of what was previously built. And if you think about it, combined, of course, with all of the lies and the fraud, not to mention the satanic aspect of everything, there's no way that it was designed to last forever. There's no way that it was designed to last. It just so happens we're living through the collapse. So 
we need to act accordingly. And we need to continue to tell people that this is the case, connect the dots for them as best we can. And it's even harder than dot connecting. As I said earlier, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. And sometimes it's like a jigsaw puzzle without, of course, even being able to see the larger picture. You just have pieces in front of you and there's no template to look off of and say, well, this piece is red and this piece is green and, you know, this piece is yellow and, you know, it's supposed to go here. Oh, look, a corner piece. I found a corner piece. Well, that can only go one of four places. It's not always that easy. There's way more to this war than that. So thanks for listening to that rant. Allow me to get into this now. And I'm going to get going here. Um, Yesterday, Tate Prouse emailed me. You've heard me mention his name before. He lives in my town. He's the one suing city council for all their COVID lockdowns and the unconstitutionality of the entire thing and all of it. Um, There's been more back and forth legally regarding all of that. He, he, he beyond has a case. I mean, he has a case. There's no doubt about it. The thing that the enemy is going to do is they're going to claim uh, immunity. They're going to say, of course, we have immunity because we're elected officials. That's what their lawyer is going to say. And then their lawyer is going to say, look, if you don't like what they did and you don't like their decisions, well, then just vote them out. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not how the Constitution works. Elected officials don't have immunity. They have to follow the Constitution. And if they break it, they can be held accountable. So his, his entire lawsuit is about that, that you don't get to tell people that they can't congregate in their own homes on their own property. Again, these, these monsters put an ordinance in place, which I was hardly even paying attention to because, you know, they're government and I just don't care. But at the same time, it was impacting a lot of people because people were believing this because it was all based on a lie. Viruses aren't real. COVID's not real. Uh, you know, masks don't work. Joke's on them. Just because they, they, they make illegal ordinances based on a lie doesn't mean they can't be held accountable. Tate Prouse is holding them accountable, and, uh, and his case is going to continue to move forward. I have no doubt about it. But the enemy is always going to claim immunity. Again, because they're elected officials, and that's just what they're going to say. It's ridiculous, and uh, they don't have a leg to stand on. So, yeah, I have his new filing here. It's lengthy, um, 17 some odd pages. I'm, I'm not going to read it, but I, I, I would like to have him on the show to describe it further in detail. Again, there will be a time w- when I have him on. Um, that that's of course a time of his choosing. He's he said there's a particular time when I'll be you know when I want to come on and and then he can get into it more specifically. So I'm gonna let him do that and uh, he's keeping me abreast of what's going on and yeah, it's awesome. I think it's awesome because he's he he caught him. I mean, catching these people is is easy because what they did was unconstitutional and it's already been proven to be the case with other legal cases all over the United States. Uh the one thing I also tossed his way was that and this is an old document I referenced well over a year ago, but it was the um the David Martin Fauci dossier. Does anybody remember that? It was like Gosh, what was that? Maybe 17 pages, and then there were at least 130 some odd pages or almost 200 pages of references after that. It's a PDF. Anybody can download it. 
on a off of a search engine. Again, t- you can type in Dr. David Martin uh, Fauci dossier, and it'll pop up. The, you know, the first seventeen pages are just laws, and then a description, and then precedent that has been set that clearly states the facts regarding everything that's occurred over this entire time, including the fact that viruses have never been isolated. Therefore, they don't exist. It's a, it's a fairy tale. As you heard me say in the last episode and countless episodes, it's fake. Same thing with the mask wearing. There's, a, there's endless medical research that is referenced in that dossier that proves that masks do nothing. So there you go. So again, if, if, if town and city ordinances are basing their, or town and city councils rather, are basing their ordinances off of things that are not real, then their foundation is on quicksand. In fact, their foundation is just empty sky. It's just invisible. There's nothing there. They're telling people there's hard surface of fact there, but there isn't. Just because elected officials say something is real doesn't mean it's real. It's a beautiful thing. And I hope, again, he can somehow use that uh, in his case or use it in a verbal argument with a judge. But yeah, it, uh, it's a, I don't know. I, I love it. It's a beautiful thing. Okay, here we go. Education stuff. The collapse continues. And, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of education individuals, again, talk about a number of education things, but they're not talking about the collapse and they're not talking about why. Here's another reason why right here. This comes from WND.com. It's titled, University to Train Faculty on Overcoming White Fatigue. This is from the University, I'm sorry, uh, Northern Illinois University. It says, NIU will host a variety of voluntary, it's voluntary, but we know what that means in this line of work. They say it's voluntary and you're not there. They take attendance and then they know that you're not there. To which I say, if you're still teaching in these horrible environments, don't go. Just don't go. Because again, the people who work there, and particularly the quote-unquote superiors, will come up and say, well, I saw that you weren't at the meeting. (laughs) At which point you say, yeah, it's voluntary and it's based on nothing. It's pretend. But they're going to host voluntary faculty training sessions during the spring of this year and this semester, which emphasize diversity, equity, and inclusion and overcoming white fatigue, quote unquote, according to the university website. Ladies and gentlemen, this is racism if you believe that word to be real. By their own definition, this is white racism. Just flip it on its ear and ask yourself whether or not it would happen, whether or not this would even be allowed. If it was black fatigue, it would be game on, wouldn't it? If it was Hispanic fatigue, if it was Jewish fatigue, if it was Asian fatigue, if it was anything else, the lawsuits would be everywhere. But there should be lawsuits for this, and Northern Illinois University should be sued into the ground for doing this. But that this is how they get away with it legally is they say it's voluntary. It's not going to be voluntary if the faculty members themselves are held accountable for not being there because they don't want to be there. If there's retribution that comes back on them as a result of not wanting to be there, then they have a lawsuit. So 
Yeah. It's a lengthy article. White fragility, white guilt. Uh, yeah. In April, faculty can register for a session about implicit bias, which they will reportedly be able to recognize when their own or others' behaviors are rooted in implicit biases. Acknowledge their own hidden biases and develop processes for reflecting on and addressing biases without shame or guilt, both alone and with others. I'm going to make a comparison here now that is worth making. This kind of self-hate and getting people to believe something that's not real, like white fragility or whatever, white exhaustion, whatever words they want to use. It is the exact same Marxist tactic, the exact same as trying to get a minor to cut their own genitals off. It's the same thing. It's a word manipulation brainwashing tactic in order to get the person to kill themselves. That's what it is. There's no other way around it. If you beat down the brain, as far as a Marxist is concerned or a Bolshevik is concerned, you beat down the brain of a person long enough, they'll either take their own life outright or they'll feel so bad about things that they've done, which are based on lies, of course, because they've been taught that they should be guilty about X, Y, and Z that they'll fall into a pit of depression, start to view themselves as being worthless. And then that leads where? It doesn't lead to a healthier state of mind. It leads to not being able to connect with actual reality. And when a person can't connect with reality, they become a psychopath. Because then they start to believe everything they say, even though what they're saying is not real. This right here again this entire story of what's going on at the University of Northern, or I'm sorry, Northern Illinois University is not unique to them. It's happening everywhere. It's happening in American K-12 schools, which I'm going to prove right now in this next story, but it's not going to go away, which again means, in my opinion, that everybody should double down about leaving these institutions. Now, I know that there are people out there that would also say, Sean, there are colleges and universities that would never do this. And there are colleges and universities that love free thinking and, you know, they, they, they don't wear the masks and they, and they don't uh, force the jabs on people and this, that, and the other. I would say that those places are few and far between if they even exist. I'd say it's a pipe dream to believe that they actually exist on a grand scale by any stretch of the imagination. They don't. Which again, if a person wants to think about what to do with their child or the children that they want to have going forward in the future and your family planning, which I recommend uh, that you make these decisions before conception, is that you're going to use a program like abeca.com. You're going to teach your child that learning anytime, all day long, and exposing them to countless things about the real world that we live in, not the fake construed TV world that people want to believe, but exposing them to all of that throughout their youth is incredibly important 
teaching them maybe how to write, you know, uh, run a business, even when they're in a K-12, you know, a pseudo K-12 frame of thought when they're younger. But then if they want to go into higher education, that it be in an online institution, which also I want to mention this very quickly. In the descriptions below my war videos, you may notice that I always put the same thing, and it's just a list of resources. It's a list of homeschooling resources, and now I have one website that you can click on at the bottom for online universities and online colleges. Are all of them listed there on this one website? No, they're not, but many of them are. And if that's an avenue that you're interested in, I highly recommend it. They have a ballpark estimate of some of the tuition fees. Again, in online institutions, if there's not an outright tuition, then you pay by the class, which is in many cases how it's done too. But that's another subject for another time, but that, that reference and resource does exist. Okay. Now there's this. More proof of the collapse. This is from the Idaho Freedom Foundation, idahofreedom.org, and it's titled Eighth Grade Students Shown Condom Video with Simulated Sex in Planned Parenthood Endorsed Program. I'm going to play the YouTube video of this. Give this a listen. Planned Parenthood Endorsed Sex Education Curriculum has infiltrated Idaho schools. In fact, Idaho's public health officials with the North Central Health District are encouraging middle schoolers to have sex. Now, after public records request, we've discovered that eighth grade students in Moscow, Idaho's middle school have been shown graphic condom demonstrations. The video, produced by Trojan Condoms, is part of the Planned Parenthood-endorsed sex education curriculum called Reducing the Risk. This video was part of the sex education program for several years, and it may have been shown to students in other schools in the district. Idaho law and standards allow only abstinence or until marriage sex education. These public health presentations, however, teach children that anal sex, oral sex, sexual fantasy, masturbation, and abortifacients such as Plan B are perfectly acceptable for middle schoolers. This is in total defiance of Idaho law. The curriculum also includes teaching young children about gender identity and transgender ideology. Out of the 120 PowerPoint slides, there's just one mention of marriage. 120 slides, one mention. Over a dozen mentions of anal or oral sex. Government employees are violating state law, and this Planned Parenthood-endorsed curriculum is still being taught in at least 13 other schools. If you are a parent in Idaho or just a concerned citizen, we need your help to continue to uncover what is going on in our schools. The future of our state depends on it. Number of things here. Number one, in the video, they show clips of the cartoon, and it's as graphic and stupid as you would think. That should pretty much go without saying. Number two, at the end, she said the future of our state depends on it. Incorrect. And here's what I mean by that. You do not need public education as it exists in the Prussian model to exist in any state in the United States, and that if it doesn't exist, then the state will crumble and the people within, within the state will crumble. That is not true. See, as well-intended as that organization is, 
in getting parents mobilized to go after these horrible indoctrination methods, and they are, walking away from these institutions would make the institutions destitute. They would cease to exist in the blink of an eye. But Sean, not everybody can do that. And there's that old argument. Not everybody's capable of homeschooling. You've heard me say it a million times, here it comes again. If your child is not physically or mentally handicapped, and they can read and write on their own, then they can teach themselves. On their own time, let the mind wander. This is why we have adults who are incapable of thinking for themselves unless someone tells them what to do, or tells them what to think. Because they've been through the education system as it exists. In society, they don't sit around and asking and ask themselves questions while you know lying on a grassy hill looking up at the clouds. They don't do that because they've been trained by the system to not do that. The education system has to cease to exist as we know it. Going after this and propping it up to to just to just maintain it as a daycare program for the parents that don't believe in themselves and don't believe in their own children is a mistake. So if all of the parents and children who are not mentally and physically handicapped and can read and write for themselves left these institutions, the institutions would cease to exist except for the mentally handicapped and the physically handicapped. Why is that the case? Because state law says so. This is the real answer to the real shift in education as we know it. Right here, what I'm going to say again. If all of the able-bodied people and able-minded parents and students left the system, it would force the school system to only be a school system for the mentally handicapped and the physically disabled. Because law says so. Law already states in every state that you have to provide those kinds of students and those kinds of people with accommodations. You have to provide them with a learning environment outside of the home, by law. Not so with an able-bodied, able-minded person. Homeschooling can, can, can be can of course exist for the mentally and physically handicapped as the day is long. They don't have to attend uh, you know, a, a public, private, or charter school at the state or, or national level. They don't have to. If they have the means to not do it, great, don't do it. But the school system itself would only exist in the future as a, as a building, a brick-and-mortar building for those kinds of students if every able-bodied person just left permanently. Instead, what do we see? We see endless people like this and organizations like this trying to still prop up the system and trying to rebuild the system from the outside in and even sometimes from the inside out to keep that daycare program in place. And then, of course, they say all the same things that they always say. Well, we have good teachers and, you know, we need to support our good teachers and not all teachers are this radical and, you know, we need these environments and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, the motivator in the back of that person's mind is, I need some place to throw my kid for eight hours a day. 
That's really what they're thinking. That's really the motivator. That's the boot on their foot that's kicking that line of thought down the hill to where it just keeps going. And that's the wrong approach. That's my point. It's the wrong approach. The environments would cease to exist if what I said earlier just happened. And it could happen, ladies and gentlemen, in the blink of an eye. It's brainwashing that keeps it from happening in the blink of an eye. It could happen overnight, but it won't. Because there's too many parents who have able-bodied children who can read and write on their own who are brainwashed. They think they need to play sports. They don't. They think they need to be a part of a club. They don't. They think they need to attend these schools in order to get into a good college or a good university. They don't. They think they need to have all these extracurriculars and all these extra activities to fill out, again, the college and university applications so that they can get into these colleges and universities and they'll be accepted and blah, blah, blah. They don't. It's all a lie. You don't need any of those quote-unquote credentials or lines on a pseudo-resume to get into anywhere. You don't. Because again, let's look past our, our hand in front of our face and look between our fingers down the line. It's not going to exist in the future. You have too many jabbed people. You have too much crime. You have too much lying. You have too much of all of it. Degeneracy. I, I, I just don't know. I don't know what else has to happen. Let me give you another example. Um, again, all of these other stories prove my point here. It, it's, it's just, it's all adding snow onto this giant snowball. You've heard me say this before. This came out just the other day. This is from the Washington Times. Female athletes warn NCAA to keep women's sports female or face lawsuits. Oh no, you're going to sue the NCAA if, uh, if girls don't get to play girls' sports and, and if the NCAA allows transgenders to keep playing and these brainwashed goons who are pretending to be female to keep playing. The, the multidimensional view is beat them at their own game. Stop participating in the game. Don't live your life for a game. How about you just walk away from the game? And then Teddy, who wants to pretend that their name is Teresa, with their genitals hanging out of their swimsuit or their short shorts when they're running, out, you know, running around on the track, they'll be doing it by themselves. Because you can't have a team with one person. There's no I in team. <laughs> Remember that old thing? There's no I in team. You're right. There is no singular transgender person on a team because you need a team. Multiple people. Just walk away from the game and it ceases to exist. But no, they're finding lecterns and they're yelling in microphones, we're going to sue you, NCAA. How about you just walk away? And then watch what happens to the NCAA. Because if no one's participating, they don't get money. The people have no idea how much power we wield. And we wield copious amounts of power. But they have no idea. Stop yelling into a microphone, you're going to sue people. (laughs) Walk away. Here's another one. 
Gateway Pundit, Ohio school district sued by 18 parents for allowing transgender student into girls' bathrooms. Sure, sue them if you want. Walk away first. Walk away permanently. That's 18 parents. We can assume that's at least 18 families. That's 18 students. That means they'll, if those 18 students are gone, they'll have to eliminate an entire teaching position out of their building, at least one teaching position. At least one, if not more. And then, if more follow suit, what will happen? They'll have to keep firing people because they can't afford them, because there aren't students there to teach. And then what happens to the school? It will only exist for the mentally and physically handicapped. Do you see the framework I've laid out here? This is, this is how it's done. This is how you eliminate it. This is how you destroy the enemy. Yes, you can sue them as the day is long. My recommendation is you leave the organization first. Lawyers would say, some of them would say, well, stay in it. And we'll sue them while we're there because your case might not have a whole lot of merit if you're not still associated with the institution while you're suing them for what they were doing. No, your case has plenty of merit if you leave first and then sue them after the fact because you're protecting your child. That's what you're doing. That's lawful, isn't it? Isn't child protection lawful? Child protection is wrapped up into the entire education apparatus anyway, legally speaking. It's on everybody's contract. And this is proving, of course, in this Ohio district, that they're not abiding to their own contracts. This is the Dayton area Bethel local school district for violating their religious liberty with policy, with the policy. It's beyond religious liberty. You're putting children in danger. It's child endangerment. That's against every teaching person's contract. That's against every administrative contract. So yeah, like I said, sue them, but leave first. That's all. Just leave first. Here's the next thing. Not surprising. This past week, Project Veritas released another video. Shocking, ladies and gentlemen. It was so shocking, my jaw was on the, on the ground and my tongue rolled out of my head like a cartoon. I'm being sarcastic. A flamboyant black gay man in New York talking about on hidden camera openly with another male who sounds flamboyant, so there's probably some sex exchange involved, talking about how all they do is sell their CRT programs or their critical theory programs to schools, even though they're not supposed to be doing it, but the company that they work for wants them to do it, and the schools don't care about law, and they, and they are accepting it anyway. And sometimes all they do is just change the verbiage and change the name, and, and it ends up getting accepted lots of other places because the person referred to themselves as an evil salesman. Is this new? No, it's not. I've brought this up on this program, on this show, copious amounts of times. That's not going to go away. That's going to continue to be a huge thing. All they do is just change the words. That's why it's called critical theory. And on a Venn diagram, 
It's a giant spider web of endless words that they can use in the English dictionary to reword what they really are trying to accomplish at the core and at the center of that Venn diagram of critical theory. That's all. They change the words. Big deal. Happens all the time. There's a video here that's seven minutes long, though, and it's not the Project Veritas video. It's an Ohio school district. Sicily tossed this my way. And again, it has to do with them, the actual people behind the scenes talking about how they just changed the CRT language. Now, I've played audio like this before on this show, but I'm going to play this again because, again, this is not Project Veritas doing this. This is another group that's decided to do this, but it's not new. But at least you'll hear these quote unquote educators saying this out of their own mouths, multiple educators, not just one gay guy in a bar in New York, but multiple educators, and they're saying it on the job. So give this a listen again. It's approximately seven minutes long. Ohio parents are worried about what their children are being taught, and they are right to be worried. An in-depth accuracy and media investigation revealed public school administrators who are determined to advance the principles of critical race theory even if it becomes illegal. And some of the worst things we captured were right in the capital city, Columbus. All I can think of when I think of that house, Bill, is my southern parents always raising us on these old funky phrases that I never understood. <laughs> and one of them was, there's more than one way to skin a cat. <laughs> so whether you, you can pass a bill that you can't mm -hmm. teach CRT in a classroom, but if you didn't cover programming, Mm -hmm. Or you didn't cover extracurricular activities or yeah. something like that. That message might still get out. Mm -hmm. Oops. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Oh, gosh. I love that. Oops. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There would be a way. We kept getting these emails. Uh, do you have critical race theory in your curriculum, which was what the talking point was from a certain news channel. <laughs> so we got to the point where first we're going to ask you what you mean by critical race theory. Do you think we're teaching higher education grad school stuff to your second grader? And then the second <laughs> thing is, no, we don't have that in our curriculum. You didn't ask about the conversations in the hallway. You didn't ask about, which we don't have those anyway. But the point is, we're going to answer your question. Nowhere in our curriculum does critical race theory exist. And it went away. Sorry. Well, to... I kind of want to know that y'all are having some conversation around like the tenets of it, like diversity, equity, inclusion, social justice. Those conversations right. are happening. <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, but, you know, and when okay. people ask us a question, we answer their question. But, yes, we absolutely have those conversations going on. Is there a parent saying that privilege is a controversial topic? Probably, but don't yeah. get me wrong, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah. I mean, that will probably get discussed in 17 classrooms before somebody actually brings it in here, and then we'll deal with it. These radicals are being paid by your tax dollars to deceive you. These public school administrators are devoted to promoting social justice in classrooms. They are devoted to teaching your children that America is systemically racist, that capitalism is inherently racist. And when parents speak out against these things, they're often accused of being dramatic or engaging in a slippery slope fallacy. But this equity officer made it incredibly clear that the fears of these parents are completely justified. They're not going to be supportive if I lay out everything we're going to do. But if I talk to them about doing this one thing in the name of supporting students, they probably won't have an issue with this one thing. And by the time we get that thing established, if I start talking to them about this one other thing, 
they don't realize that was two things. They yeah. just realize that we're moving from where we are to where we're going. But we're not going here because that would be liberal. <laughs> that would be a little yeah. crazy. Right. But we can go. And then in five years. Yeah, five because years you look back and I'm like, what the hell happened? Another Columbus administrative staffer was a little more direct in explaining how they handle concerned parents. We have some parents that, <laughs> you know, they, uh, they don't fully understand. Um, so, you know, it's when we trick them, you know. <laughs> what do you mean? But, uh, well, I'm just, so, it, similar situation. So, if we have a certain content that we want to share yeah. with students, um, and they see one word in the language, it's like, oh, no, we can't do that. Well, let's look at it from a different, you know, viewpoint, and then it's changed they're the words, okay, you know. At the end of the day, we can close the door and mm -hmm. teach what's right. And mm -hmm. I would presume and hope, I don't know, that an mm -hmm. attitude would be similar here if mm -hmm. stupid laws got passed. I don't know. It's hard to predict. Yeah, it's hard to predict that. But we would find parameters for which we could. Absolutely. That's right. Ohio hasn't banned the principles of critical race theory from being taught in public schools. But as plenty of administrators told us, they would happily circumvent any such law. One common tactic is to use social and emotional learning. SEL is often a Trojan horse for critical race theory. And as one administrator told us, they're even using COVID bailout money to pay for it. They're taking funds that were dedicated to reopening schools safely during a pandemic and instead spending it on indoctrination. Are you guys able to do social and emotional learning here, or do the parents? We do, we do focus a lot of, um, so with um, the federal funds that got awarded for, we call them ASER funds, but federal funds that got awarded for the pandemic, um, we put a social worker and a guidance counselor in every single building. Cool. Um, and we incorporated a lot of materials that were um, focused on the social, emotional well-being, self-regulating, you know, yes. levels and things like that. And I feel like that's a good way to get diversity, equity, inclusion into classes yeah. it might not normally yes. be in. Yes. Another Trojan horse for critical race theory principles is a classroom news service called Newzella. We've found Newzella in countless districts throughout the country, and as we've mentioned previously, they're partners with the far-left Southern Poverty Law Center, revisionist historian Howard Zinn, and the debunked New York Times 1619 project. So we use Nozella in a couple of different capacities. So we use it for not only some of our like core content, so our social studies uses it, yeah. um, but nice. um, we use it as a supplement for language arts also. In Ohio, just like we saw with our investigations in Iowa, Idaho, and Tennessee, parents are playing an endless game of whack-a-mole with public education. If you ban critical race theory principles, they call it something else. If you ban the 1619 Project, they bring in the same content under the guise of Newzella. Parents want to believe in public education. They want to trust their child's educators. But I'm sorry to say, public education has broken that trust. The only solution to this is Arizona-style school choice, where public education dollars follow the child. In the words of Corey DeAngelis, we should fund students, not systems. Please. Take action. Click on the link below this video to send a message demanding school choice right now. Then share this video with any parents that you might know. And if you'd like to make sure this video reaches the most parents possible, click on the link below to make a tax-deductible contribution. Our work is only made possible through your support. I'm Adam Gillette with Accuracy in Media, and stay tuned because this is just the first part of our Ohio investigation. So right out of the gate, right there. Again, I'm not 
tooting my own horn here, but where have you heard all of that before? Where have you heard about all of the word manipulation and they don't care about the law and they're just going to reword it and do what they want anyway? You've heard it right here on this show. That's the advantage that I have, having been in this business and know how these criminals think and how they operate. They have agendas. Laws are nothing to them. They do not care. Because if you tell these people to not that they can't teach their feelings, then they are running around like chickens with their heads cut off. They, they, they do not know what to do. They have no idea what to do. It also is, is, is perfect. Well, it is a perfect example of brainwashing and how the useful idiot becomes the tool for destruction of the entire system. They're destroying their own line of work, and they don't know it because they are brainwashed into believing things that are made up out of thin air that do not exist. Critical race theory, social justice, feelings teaching, let's question everything all of the time, including math problems and whatever else. Everybody's racist, everybody's inherently racist, what, whatever it is that they do. The larger black man that you heard was talk, it w- apparently is the diversity, equity, and inclusion director in Upper Arlington, which is a rather wealthy school district. I'm sure he makes copious amounts of money. But now he's on film, of course, saying that he's fine with circumventing law and, and doing the same with the media because they simply just deny it. No, we don't do that here. It's not in our curriculum. And then the media goes away. The word manipulation won't stop is the point. These people are brainwashed is the point. They're hellbent on brainwashing your children and the brainwashed who are doing the teaching don't know that they're brainwashed. Which begs the question, why would a sane parent send their child to such an environment? If you want those people to be fired and lose their jobs, stop sending your children there. Because they'll start making cuts to their programs and their school districts, and those diversity, equity, and inclusion people are usually the first to go. That's how you do it. So that was from Accuracy in Media on YouTube. I've played some of their audio before in the past. I want to thank Cicely again for sending that my way. If they have more information in the future, I'll do my best to bring that again on the show. It's not necessarily new, but the word manipulation game has always been in place because that's the basis of Bolshevism. That's the basis of Marxism. If they use a word over and over and over again, and the public catches on to it and doesn't like it, what do they do? They just change the word. That's all. They just change it. And they're going to keep doing that, and that's not going to be one of those things that goes away. Okay. On to jab stuff. I know this is getting a little long, but there's a lot of important jab stuff here and a lot of updated jab-related things. Uh, Let's see. First of all, I mentioned my aunt earlier, who, of course, used to work in a church. She sent me this the other day. She receives these emails, and they are, you know, the corporate emails that you get basically saying from a number of different stores and shops and and whatever else. But this particular one came, of course, from CVS, and it's titled, I'm just going to read through it briefly because every word is a lie, and it's awful. This comes again from CVS, the pharmacy, 
And it says your smartest move this winter, a free, and there's an asterisk next to free, updated COVID-19 booster. And they have a picture of a morbidly obese woman with, uh, you know, a Band-Aid on her arm. Look, I got my booster. Well, she's dead now. And it says, uh, keep yourself and your family protected with an updated COVID-19 booster, if eligible, asterisk. It targets the original COVID-19 strain as well as the Omicron variant. All of that is a lie. None of that is true. And then there's a schedule today button where, again, you can schedule your time and they'll have your death shot ready for you as soon as you walk in. Help support your immune system, it then says. COVID-19 booster or flu shot, question mark, or both, question mark. Book a time. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recommends you get both the updated booster and the flu shot. No, it's not too late. This season, it says those eligible for both can safely get them at the same time, even though people have died immediately after receiving both, including children. But I'm sure you'll be just fine. It continues, and it says who should get an updated booster. The CDC recommends the updated booster for ages six months and older, at least two months after completion of their primary series or latest monovalent, valent, I'm going to get that word right eventually, booster dose. Then they have an Asian doctor. Great. We're here to help you through a COVID-19, a Paxrovid medication and now prescribed in a field out of pharmacy. It then says if you're positive for COVID-19, our pharmacists can prescribe Paxlovid to treat mild or moderate COVID-19, also a poison. Paxlovid is, what did, what did I say earlier in a previous episode? Paxlovid is basically uh, redefined remdesivir, if I'm not mistaken, allegedly. It's something like that. It's a poison. Stay prepared. Just get more convenient. And then, of course, they have all the different tests. There's the CVS Health at-Home COVID-19 test kit. There's the Binax Now test kit and the Flovax test kit, all of which have been recalled by the FDA and include poison in them and should not be tested and are predetermined to have positive or negative tests. That's it. They've got more bullet points at the end, pickup order, and blah, 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 blah. These emails, I'm telling you, these companies and these corporations are responsible for the murders of copious amounts of people. There's no escaping it. None. They can't possibly exist in the future, and if they exist in the future, then justice has not been served. That's going to be one of the, one of the benchmarks and one of the measuring sticks in this whole thing. Okay, next one. This comes from shiftplan.com. Japan can't figure out why COVID deaths are so high when triple vaxxed rate is at 91%. Hmm. They just can't figure it out. The Japanese can't figure it out. 91% of them are triple vaxxed, allegedly, and their death rates are through the roof. It says Japanese over 65 have done their best to reduce Japan's 216 million dose stockpile of mRNA jabs with third, fourth, and fifth jab rates of 91% 
82.5% and 56% respectively. But unfortunately, Japan has started 2023 by reporting its highest ever daily COVID death tolls. They're not dying of COVID. They're dying of a ruined immune system because they have an, a, a ruined DNA. That's why they're dying. Because of the shots. It then says, during the booster era starting in early 2022, each wave has been noticeably higher than the last, according to a report by Zero Hedge. Uh, it's hard to explain, they say. They can't understand why. They don't understand what's going on. It's news to them. Weird. Here's another peer-reviewed article, and I definitely want to mention this. This was Dr. Luke Montier's last article that was currently in the review process upon his death, and it has now been published. It comes from the International Journal of Vaccine Theory, Practice, and Research, titled Emergence of a New Kruchfeld Jacob Disease. 26 cases of the human version of mad cow disease days after a COVID-19 injection. Abstract. Let's see. Two other doctors, Jean-Claude Perez and Claire Marais Schlemin, if I'm saying that right, and Luc Montier. Abstract. Kruschfeld Jacobs disease. The formerly rare but universally fatal prion disease in humans normally progresses over several, several decades before it leads to death. In the appendix to this paper, we highlight the presence of a prion region in the spike protein of the original SARS-CoV-2, doesn't exist, and in all the vaccine, quote-unquote, variants built from the Wuhan virus. Viruses don't exist. It's just a poison. Anyway, the prion region in the spike SARS-CoV-2 has a density of mutation eight times greater than that of the rest of the spike. And yet, strangely, that entire prion region disappears completely in the Omicron variant. In the main body of our text, we present 26 cases of Kruschfeld-Jacob disease all diagnosed in 2021, with the first symptoms appearing within an average of 11.38 days after a Pfizer, Moderna, or AstraZeneca COVID-19 injection. Because the casual progression, the etapathogenesis of, the, of these atypical and new cases of human prion disease, cases of what is apparently a totally new form of rapidly developing Kruschfeld-Jacob disease. We focus on the chronology of the symptomatic development. We consider it from an animistic point of view, the one in which we compare the typical development of pre-COVID cases of Kruschfeld-Jacob disease to the extremely accelerated development of similar symptoms in the 26 cases under examination. By such an approach, we hope to work out the etopathogenesis, there we go, critical to understanding this new and much more rapidly developing 
human prion disease. By recalling the sequential pathway of that formerly subacute, if I'm saying that right, and slowly developing disease followed in the past, and by comparing it with this new, extremely acute, rapidly developing prion disease, one following closely after one or more of the COVID-19 injections, we believe it is correct to infer that the injections caused the disease in these 26 cases. If so, they have probably also caused a many other cases that have gone undiagnosed because of their rapid progression to death. By late 2021, 20 had died within 4.76 months of the offending injection. Of those eight, of those, comma, eight died suddenly within 2.5 months, confirming the rapid progression of this accelerated form of Kruschfeld-Jacob disease. By June of 2022, five more patients had died, and at the time of this current writing, only one remains still alive, unquote. I don't know what else to add. It's an excellent study. It's exquisite. They followed these individuals. They all had the exact same symptoms of this very rare disease. It was accelerated, and now they're all dead but one. Don't know what else to say. Whatever, Sean, it's climate change. Everybody knows that. (laughs) Maybe it was food poisoning. Maybe they tripped and fell and hit their head and, you know, because of climate change. Give me a break. It's the shots. They're accelerating everything. Everything. They're taking what would be a normal stage one diagnosis of cancer and tossing it right into a stage four diagnosis of cancer immediately. And then they're dead shortly after that. So bravo to the authors, bravo to Luc Montier and that particular story, very revealing. And yeah, it's just going to continue to be revealing for a variety of reasons, some more obvious than others. Here's another one from the expose. Breaking, NHS director confirms hospital lies, hospitals lied about cause of death to create illusion of a COVID pandemic. No kidding. Says before COVID doesn't exist, four types of pneumonia added together were the highest cause of death in the UK. In a newly implemented medical examiner system to certify deaths, the medical examiner was certifying all types of pneumonia deaths as COVID 19 deaths. A former director of end of life care has said, and they're doing it because of money. They need the money. They're getting pay boosts for doing this, just like the nursing homes I described in the last episode. Same exact thing. Same thing. Now, there's this too. You may be familiar with the Twitter drops and the name Alex Berenson. Alex Berenson, of course, pushed the jabs. Uh, You know, I don't know why these people are being hand-selected necessarily for the Twitter drops. I'm sure there's a logical reason for it, but or maybe a nefarious reason. I'm not entirely sure. Because right now, all of these people dropping these Twitter drops are, are leftists. In any case, he references a particular study, which uh, I'm going to mention here, which again was back on December 22nd. This comes from iScience. 
in their peer-reviewed article, and it is titled Extended SARS-CoV-2 RBD Booster Vaccination Induces Humoral and Cellular Immune Tolerance in Mice. Long story short, all the mice died in the study. The more shots the mice got, the quicker they died. That's it. The summary is rather long, but again, we, we know about the animal study of uh, animal studies. I've brought it up on this show on numerous occasions. They all died. They were given the first round. They were reinfected. They died. They were given two rounds. Reinfected. They all died. Three, four. They just kept dying. It didn't matter how many more they gave them. But clearly, the more they received, and then they were reinfected, the faster they died. Makes perfect sense. That's what we're seeing with human beings. That's exactly what's happening with human beings. Here's another one. Gateway Pundit. Lee Homan's special, Leo Homan's special report. Medical profession implements WHO digital diagnosis code for the unvaxxed. This was interesting, and I sent this to Kim Carter to get her take being a nurse and all. She basically said it's going to be another surveillance program in paperwork to determine who's jabbed, who's not. And then down the line, if it makes its way through the United Nations World Health Organization and international classification of diseases and whatever else, that it's going to limit what the unjabbed can do in the future. Now, keep in mind, we know what's happening with the jabbed. They're not making it. So the unjabbed I mean, if we're all that's left, which is what's going to happen, we're, we're going to be all that's left. Uh, the, I mean, hospitals aren't going to exist. And if they do, they're going to have to help people logically or else they won't exist. So if they're not going to help the unjabbed, they can't exist. They're going to have to fire their workers and their buildings will close down and they'll have to sell their buildings or they'll just be vacant. Again, we can't expect the enemy to be logical about their plans because they're not. I mean, every single plan that they put forth is is purposeful for our elimination, but it's also leading to their own elimination, and they don't seem to care about that. The same thing, again, as you've heard me say a million times, is happening with the education business and that line of work. College professors, universities, same thing. Pick a profession. They're wiping them all out. City workers. Okay, the, the, the individuals, again, that are tasked with repairing roads and, and repairing water pipes, they're jabbed unless they submitted, uh, you know, medical exemptions or religious exemptions for, for, you know, to not be jabbed. They're all jabbed, which means who's going to repair any of that going forward? Think about that for a minute here. I mean, that's the collapse. That's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. That's the kind of stuff that, that people have to start talking about. They have to start connecting those dots and those puzzle pieces and arriving at, at those conclusions. Which brings me to these last two posts that I want to mention regarding, again, their anonymous posts, anonymous stories describing sort of the landscape here. And then in the description below this episode, I want to link a PDF 
that uh, that is very interesting, and it is written by. Let me bring this up here very quickly. It is written by uh, Catherine Watt, and she published this on in January of this year on the Ballywick News Substack, and it is titled "Legal History: American Domestic Bioterrorism Program." Enabling statutes, regulations, executive orders, guidance documents, and budget allocations. It is 14 pages long. I recommend giving it a read. Uh, it's frightening. And I'm going to link it in the description below. And this comes to me via Dr. Mike Yeadon. It was on his Telegram channel, and he's been talking about it. There are also BitChute videos where you can hear her discussing this at length. I recommend that too, but I wanted let I just wanted to let you know that I'm going to toss that in the description below. Okay, I'm going to end with this. Two final stories here. This both of these come from GreatAwakening.win. One the, this first one is titled "Want to Red Pill Your Vaccinated Friends and Family? Have Them Donate Blood." It says, "Quote." I have a couple of friends. I have had a couple of friends rather attempt to donate blood recently who were turned away because the machines weren't able to draw from them. Tubing issues were blamed first. Eventually the staff told them that they couldn't donate blood because couldn't donate blood because the flow was being blocked by clots in both arms. These people are all under the age of 35, by the way, and were under the impression they had no health issues, unquote. You've heard me say that Kim Carter has said the exact same thing from her patients, who are jabbed. Drawing blood is next to impossible. They're clotting. And it's not typical clotting. This is nanoparticle spaghetti calamari clots. Regular clotting would look like jam or preservative jelly in a, in a jar of Smucker's jelly. That's what a regular clot would typically look like, and it would be even more fluid than that. That's not what they're finding, clearly. Here's the last one. It's a little lengthy, but man, is it interesting. And this is, this is, the, this is the bigger picture right here. And this person who wrote this sees this which is fantastic. It's not fantastic. I mean, it's terrible, but you get what I'm saying. I'm glad they see it. It is titled Scenes from a Cancer Hospital. It says, quote, I had to come to the Cleveland Clinic and spend the night nearby for an early morning appointment. I had breast cancer four years ago, small tumor, no chemo, doing well. But I have checkups every six months. It's just mind-blowing to me how crazy it is here. When I pulled up to the hotel, there was an ambulance taking someone out on a stretcher. There are cars pulling in with travelers from all across the United States all day and all night. The hotel feels full. The hotel next door is full. A young woman I met on the elevator was here for her third treatment for what she admitted is a complicated, fast-growing cancer that began in July, last July of 2022. 
I started my cancer journey before COVID, and even then I was shocked at how horrifyingly prevalent cancer is and how major cancer centers resemble busy little, busy little cities, it says. But it's twice as crazy now, and there's a feeling of urgency in the air, as if the whole world is being triaged. It's like a plague has descended, and people are rushing to the clinic doors to be first. And seeing it up close and personal is a hard thing. I have compassion for the people coming here. Having cancer sucks no matter how you got here. But there's this feeling that this is just a small sampling of what's to come. The door is only slightly ajar, and in time, it will be thrown wide open and we will experience the true horrors of depopulation. When a medical helicopter landed on the roof of the hospital, I remembered how much we used to value life as a society. We rushed people to hospitals to save their lives with fervent energy. Now people are being poisoned, young people are dying, and we're getting used to death as their faces parade across our social media screens. The very idea of life and death is being altered. My only solace tonight is my status as unvaccinated. I look back on my little I look back and my little cancer seems small to the horrors I'm witnessing here today. Unquote. There you have it. I don't know what else I can say in this particular episode. That's that's it. That person gets it. They've seen it up close. They see what's happening. They see what's going on. They see the behavioral changes. They see the number changes. They see what's taking place. This is happening not just at Cleveland Clinic, ladies and gentlemen. This is happening everywhere. The more populated area, the more jabbed. Those hospitals are going to see more jab illness and more jab-related illness and more death as a result. I I can't necessarily end on a positive note other than the fact that we have to keep seeing this and we have to keep learning about this. And I'm going to do my best again to continue to bring the most updated information that I can to bear here so that you can sit on it and think about it and consider it and make the necessary moves that you have to make for yourself, your family, your children, whoever that may be. But for the love of God, get them out of American schools. Again, abeka.com, I would start there. Watch their YouTube videos, give them a call, ask them questions. Online universities, I would start there. Call them up, ask them questions. Tell them you're not going to take the jabs, you're not going to wear masks. That's that's the avenue I would take. Do not enter these brick-and-mortar buildings the way that they are now because they're going to cease to exist, because they've done themselves in. Have a great weekend, everybody, and I'll catch you on Monday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.